0: Learn more at marines.com. Yes, yes, welcome into another edition of the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network. It's questions from the audience from the com studios. I love questions from the audience. I say it every time. It should just be like in the, the pre-pro, if we even have pre-pro. We don't have pre-pro. You're just hearing me talk. But here, here's why I like questions from the audience even more so um, when I am in Jupiter, Florida, um we live in a house and I share the house um, with my wife and son, of course, but also my in-laws and in a week or two weeks, I guess, my parents will be here. And so I am one, always have to emphasize that one, I am one who, And I don't know why I'm this way, and I don't know if everybody else is this way. I would imagine they're not, because I know I have all kinds of eccentricities that uh, make people say, wow, he's really, really fucking weird. Um, So maybe everybody needs this every once in a while. I think I need it kind of on a daily basis. I just need to be alone for a period of time a day, at least not because I dislike any of these people. I really, I obviously am a fan of my wife and my son. I know one of the running jokes used to be on television, I don't know if it still goes on, like people make fun of their in-laws. My in-laws are great people. I mean, this is the second straight year where um, they have lived with us, I guess, at this point now for a month and a half. And I don't even think anything of it. But we could just be in in St. Louis at our house and i enjoy having some time by myself it's just i and this has always been this way this isn't like a new thing so now you compound it to you're doing a show um gangster pete i don't know if you've noticed this gangster pete back in the home Loan studios uh west but be honest with me here i need you to be honest with me and if you don't you And I don't know why it is. For whatever reason, right after TMA is over at 10 o'clock, I need some period of time before I start up with the podcast or before I even really start communicating about (laughs) anything, moving the football forward or at least my attempts to move a football forward. Um. Until I don't even know. Ten fifteen. Ten thirty. Something along. Then. Tell me. Do you notice that, or do you not notice that? No, I do know. notice that. It took me like a couple weeks to pick up on that. And I was like, man, he doesn't really want to talk to me. <laughs> but then, yeah, then I, then I realized you just need your decompress time. It seems. I guess that's it. But it's such a weird thing, because what we do from seven to ten is just so loose most of the time we're laughing and certainly over the course of the three hours we will laugh there's that that's impossible but like the majority of the time we're laughing and for whatever reason i just need i don't know what to say about it uh i don't have my own office at the radio station like anybody does it's not like i'm saying i need my own office that's not what i'm saying it's just there's no place to go for privacy and then what i sometimes would do would be I'd go work out with the the gym right next door, but even then it's like,, ah, I'm not really in the mood to do that. I just need to like be in in the tank, so to speak, for a period of time and then I come out of it. And then there's sometimes, and that's what we have today where um, or when uh, I'm getting all kinds of like uh, stuff going on I mean, during TMA. like I mean this was this was 10 different things. Uh, in addition to, My one-year-old, I was scolded for calling him an 18-month-old. I have no idea. It's like when I said, yeah, I was babysitting my son. You don't call him babies. So there's all these little things in this parenting world that I'm learning, and I'm sure I will say things that will upset people whose uh, pants are probably a little tighter than mine, so to speak, when it comes to things, um, which is certainly not done with any malice. But uh, when my one-year-old, who was born a year and a half ago, Uh, is running around while I'm doing the show, which is just kind of something I'm used to. Um, And then, of course, my wife and then my in-laws. And I'm just sitting in, in our home doing the program, which I'm used to also, and it's completely fine. So then I'm juggling that. He likes to run over during the show, which I enjoy, but sometimes you can hear him on the air. Plus, I'm answering. I mean, I'm telling you, if I look, why don't we just do it? Why don't for the hell of it? One, two, three, four, five... 6, 7, okay, now this is just in the last 40 minutes. Uh, different text changes. Uh, no, now we're going 45 minutes. 8, 9, 10, all within the last hour. Now we go back hour and a half. 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 20. 20 texts, 20 different people have texted since we started TMA this morning. And we're only an hour and a half after... The show has come to a conclusion, um, and so I, I try to answer text right away, because if I don't, then I'll forget. That's why I've told Gangster Pete, if you don't hear back from me, it's not because I'm fading you. It's just because I didn't answer right away, and then it, I, it goes down my iMessages, and I don't see it again. So anyway, this is a very long-winded, as it always is, way of saying I love questions from the audience, because I don't have to like go jump in before like someone says something, and then we're talking over each other, which I love. Oh, I love it. And also, in the environment in which I am doing questions from the audience, I have silence around me. There's no one here. And I can think. And then, the thing that I think I enjoy, I can't say most, but top five probably stimulating conversations. Now, I wouldn't call questions from the audience stimulating conversations because it's a monologue. I'm talking 99.5% of the time with Gangster Pete occasionally chiming in. And Gangster Pete, as you know, you're welcome to chime in any time. But I like when my mind is stimulated by a question that doesn't really have a firm answer unless it's somebody asking something regarding the show or career or whatever the case might be, where I can set the record straight or just ask, answer what they're they're asking. So anyway, it's almost like meditation, except it's the complete opposite of what one thinks of with meditation which is silence uh, my meditation is just my brain just like spewing all of these thoughts on a tangent um, but I really like it I mean I, I'm, I'm looking outside and again anytime I talk about Florida weather I'm not trying to do the well, wow, I wish you were here. It's beautiful down here. But I'm saying this f- for the point of the context and if you're listening to this, you probably get me. I can't imagine I get listening to TMA and hating me um because you either might like Doug or you might like Doug's politics, you might just like the flow of the show, but then I kind of bother you know a, a certain segment of the population or just and I and I understand that um so I don't I I don't blame anybody. But if you're digging in to listen to my podcast and you hate me, that would be odd, uh, odder than people who listen to radio content, even though they don't like the the host or one of the hosts. So so I'm I'm saying this, and I think you know that I'm not saying it to be like a dig me thing. Even though, I, as I mention often on the questions from the audience podcast, uh, you have to be very hypersensitive when talking about things that are that are good. That you're experiencing because people will immediately throw a hashtag blessed at you but i'm saying this because i'm looking outside i don't see a cloud it's beautiful i know for florida it's actually cool today it's like 65 degrees but i know back in st louis if it were 65 degrees people would be having a party and i'll be there with you here in three weeks i'll be here with you in three weeks or four weeks whatever it is um And I know I probably won't see 65 degrees in St. Louis until, you know, if I'm lucky, the end of April. But uh, I would rather be here doing questions from the audience at this moment, which probably indicates further sickness on my part, I'm sure, for many of you listening. Because I'm sitting in a place looking outside at beautiful weather. But I enjoy doing this. And I enjoy when I know that there's at least one question that I really want to get into. And it came. It was a late entry because I kind of looked at the emails that I had saved up from questions from the audience. And for those of you who email them in, I don't respond to the questions from the audience emails, even though my responses are usually nothing that enlightening anyway. I just do it to be polite. It's like Charlie Marlowe with a like on a tweet. Um, I want people to know that I read it and I appreciated their. Now, if they ask a question, um, I, I will answer it uh, if it's not for questions from the audience. But uh, I just Try to let people know. Thank you for writing in. I appreciate it. And, um, and if it's for questions from the audience, I will either answer it or we will just not uh, get to it for one reason or another. But I was looking at the questions that I had set aside in an email and I thought to myself, ah, I don't know if any of these really, really get me going. I feel like a couple of them we've already kind of touched on. And then the Barnhart Brawler came through on the fan page with probably a question that he was just being somewhat facetious with. Um, Oh, and look at this. Timmy Recaps, just now I'm pulling up the fan page under it. He says, I co-signed Brawler's initial question. I think it could be a good topic. Timmy Recaps and I are on the same page. Me and the Brawler are on the same page. And if I'm not mistaken, the Brawler is on the left, and Timmy Recaps is on the right. I could be wrong, and if I'm wrong about this, I apologize to the parties involved. I also know many of you have no idea who I'm talking about. But, I'll get to the point. The question. What's the difference between, quote, don't be a dick, and political correctness? I love the question. I love the question because I don't have an immediate answer and I will attempt to critically think through the answer which inevitably will piss some people off and maybe some people will be on board with it. Um, but I love it. Let me give some let me give some background on don't be a dick. Um, in 2005 when Matt Siebeck and I started insidestl.com, we put a message board on the website and um, it was part of the site for, oh, God, I don't know, whatever it does. I guess the specifics don't matter, but about 10 or 11 years. Um, I think some of the people who are still on the message board a decade after when we redesigned InsideSTL.com, I think we did that in 2016. I guess it could be 2015, but I'm pretty sure it was 2016. Either way, right around there, 2015 or 2016, I think it's 2015 now. Um Brendan Marks, who was running the website for us, um, at some point there was some issue with the kind of software that the message board ran on. Communicating, I'm using the term "communicating," even though I'm sure it's not right. It probably integrates, integrated poorly or did not integrate with WordPress. We were using vBulletin. These are things you don't care about. Here's here's what I'm bringing it up for. The message board uh, was something that I didn't even look at anymore. And one of the reasons why was I just couldn't have a bunch of a, a conversation. Uh, there weren't a whole lot of people left in there as it was. And then when it wasn't working with the integration, Brendan just got rid of it. Um, now, I, I, my understanding is some of the people who were on it felt like I just killed it and I didn't even bother telling them when in reality uh, the I, I recall being in the, the hallway of where we were at CBS Sports 920, so it had to be 15 or 16, and um, I don't even know how I it even popped in my head because nobody even emailed me about it. I, I'm not even talking about Brendan. I'm talking about the people on the message board uh, and said, what happened? Uh, or I, so I said, well, what about the message? But somehow, like, it wasn't somebody emailed me to bring it to my attention. I went to Brendan and it came up and, and then he goes well yeah but i got rid of the message board just cuz it wasn't working and i'm like oh all right and here's this, this so that's how that's how the message board died it couldn't have been couldn't have been more anticlimactic but for those who were in it it was a very big deal for those um such as myself who i guess by definition was is was the majority owner of the company on which the message board operated you know, I, I doubt my partners even most of my partners even knew that the message board existed, and it just wasn't that big of a thing. Now, if I knew that he was going to get rid of it, I would have gone on there and said, "Hey, you know, it's been an interesting run, uh, but uh, because of the new site, we're just, it's not going to work." And so, I wanted to give everybody a heads up if you want to archive posts or whatever the case might be, you know, and take them. I would have done that, um, but I didn't know and you know, that's, that's, how it, that's how it ended. But one of the things that bothered me with message boards in general, and now that I'm not part of anything that has a message board, um, is, and, and I guess you can extend it to Twitter and Facebook, uh, is people turning into just dicks. Uh, and this isn't limited to, to men, it's just a term I'm using, but just assholes and just conversing with people in a way that they would never do so face-to-face or even over the phone, which is why I try to never do dirt via text or email, um, because you lose the context. And I also think it it increases the probability of a negative outcome if it is done via text or email. And then if you're talking about a debate or disagreement on a message board or on social media, I think part of the motivation for the two parties who are engaged in it and then everybody's posted their popcorn gifts to begin the process of killing the workday with a couple hours of two guys arguing on the internet uh, or on Facebook or Twitter or wherever it might be going on um, is that they don't want to be embarrassed in the process of the debate and so the they're not going to concede and it becomes more about winning than actually listening and trying to solve what the debate was actually about. And so when the TMA fan page began to grow into what it is now, which is 6,910 members as we speak, um, people go, well, you know, what, what, is the way to make sure that I don't get booted or that a post doesn't get pulled. And I, you know, it's in reality, it's a case by case basis. Part of it is accumulated behavior. You know, if one person like has an off post, I might be more apt to give the person the benefit of the doubt. But if kind of like, oh, this person, this person, here's this one, here's this one, you know, I just I don't want to allow it to turn into a toxic place. And I, I might not have done a very good job at that. I don't know. But anyway. The rule is, and at the time, at the outset was, don't be a dick. Now, what is a dick? And I'm not talking about um, genitals. I'm talking about acting like an asshole on social media. Now, social media, not message boards. I mean, I guess they're still message boards, but they're not as prominent as they were 10, 15 years ago. And it's, one of, it's almost like the Supreme Court's definition of obscenity. You know it when you see it. I recognize personality traits from online behavior in part because of my experience with the Inside STL message board, but in part from reading message boards and participating in message boards going back to the 1990s that I know will most likely at some point lead to where it might look like a minor thing to somebody who would not have had to moderate a message board in the past. I now know, okay, this person has this kind of trait that is most likely going to lead to an issue at some point. Or they will be then part of like a little click that like gang up on people and, and then turn people away from wanting to post because they don't want to get ganged up on. Uh, this 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 is not exclusive at all to insidestl.com it's kind of a i, I mean i would imagine it happens in the vast majority of these um, as people develop relationships friendships with others and some common interests and then they kind of become friends and then because it, it, it's it it, if i if i started completely from scratch with another page it, the same thing would happen it would take time but the same thing would happen so when i look back on in the insidestl.com message board i could have done a better job moderating it although I think as long as you have anonymity uh, or perceived anonymity um, you increase the probability of people being dicks um, as you can see when you go to take your pick of a message board which is why on the TMA fan page I value um, people using their real names and if people don't want to use their real names then fine but then you're not going to be able to uh, Post on the page unless you have reached out and explained why you're not re- using your real name or uh, introduced yourself or whatever, because I, I don't want people to just be able to do hit and runs uh, and then, you know, make a page toxic. Especially when, for the most part, of the 6,900 people who are members, the vast majority don't post or vote or anything. I mean, I, hell, I think that's more than God maybe more than 6,000 of the 7,000. But I also want people to feel comfortable posting if they want to. Um, but if they are going to post to ideally conduct themselves as a matter of the way that they would when they were interacting with somebody face-to-face. So that's where Don't Be a Dick comes from. That's the background on it. Now, Barnhart Brawler's question um, is what is the difference between don't be a dick and political correctness? I want to make sure I read it 100% properly, but that is that is the essential theme. What's the difference between don't be a dick and, uh, and political correctness? I think it's a great question, but I wanted to provide the background on don't be a dick and political correctness, where don't be a dick comes from. So I think at this moment in history, and maybe this was the same way 25 years ago when the movie PCU came out with Jeremy Piven called Political Correctness University or Politically Correct University, which was mocking what was going on in the early 1990s, um, which I don't really feel like was going on at all in the 80s, but it was incubating in the early 1990s and now it's wildfire in 2019. The term political correctness, I think, is now used by those more often to be on the right in American politics as a way to kind of shit on people on the left who will either point out something that they see to be a double standard or a wrong with a treatment of a person or a group of people um, or get into the infamous you're a snowflake or social justice warrior um, kind of discussion. In other words, it's dismissive. Um, So as always, because you have to do this, well I don't have to do this, but I, I truly feel this way. It's like somebody having a discussion on politics and going, oh, well, he's a Trumper or she's a Trumper or, you know, whatever. And it's like, oh, well, let's disregard them because – and I understand that. I truly do. And th- that's why questions from the audience is it's – it's, it's got to be so unfulfilling if you ever want blood because I don't know if I can ever come out and call for blood because I, I truly do see both sides of it. I could never be employed by, like, these cable news networks or – ESPN where you have to come down with a take so because because I see both sides so with political correctness it depends on how you view those two words if you want to picture somebody who is on Twitter for example and like trying to get somebody fired or trying to get somebody to apologize because they said something that they didn't deem to be appropriate or politically correct, that in my mind gives me a negative outlook on the discussion. Now, that's me. I'm not saying it's you. I'm saying that's me. However, if you would present a scenario in which somebody who does not share the trait of the persecuted or perceived to be persecuted person or group that's on the receiving end of these words on social media or somebody's soundbite or radio show, whatever it is, um, and expressing why he or she finds that to be something that for him or her is not something they would personally say or really want to be associated with. I consider that to be empathy. And I am pro-empathy. I am anti-taking people out for expressing their opinions, even if I hate their opinions. And I feel like, and I could be wrong on this, I feel like that is a lost art. But I feel like saying something is a lost art is so commonplace that it's almost cliché to say it. But that's how I feel. I don't feel I, like, I don't feel like there are too many people who, when they say, "Well, I'm really for freedom of speech," when it really gets down to it, are for freedom of speech. Now, I now I might be wrong on that, and this is a this is a broad brush with which I'm painting, but. Uh, That's my, that's my perspective on it. And, you know, people use it when it's convenient to their personal viewpoints. Um, Or if it's going to hurt them or hurt somebody or their political party that's of their affinity. It's a, it's an absurd movie to take a quote from. For real. I recognize it. But I recall, I said this, and I had to have said it before June 2007. I think because I was working with the Cat and Martin, it had to be before October 2006. But I remember one of the business managers for, what was the name of the company? Was it Big League Broadcasting? Big League Broadcasting, which owned KFNS at the time. And so I didn't really know the person well. They were from uh, New York, Boston, Atlanta, and... And I would do this kind of uh, rainbows, puppy dogs, rainbows and ice cream, which was essentially just kind of like a column that I then read on the air. And I cited this quote. And I love it. Uh, And it's from an obscure movie. Well, that's not an obscure movie, but you would never think anybody would be quoting the movie. Gangster Pete, do you have any idea which direction I'm going with this? I'm going to give you one hint. It's from the mid-1990s. No, not yet. Okay. Michael Douglas, Annette Benning, Martin Sheen, Richard Dreyfus. Sounds like a movie my dad would like. Wow, wow, wow. Wow, wow. This might be it now. It's now the show is going to be 100% me. It will no longer be 99.90% me. Uh, Gangster Pete firing a bullet. (laughs) The film is the American President. Oh, I actually like that movie. Oh, now now look at you. All right, I'll digress. (laughs) And Michael Douglas says why would a senator his party's most powerful spokesman and a candidate for president choose to reject upholding the constitution now if you can answer that question folks then you're smarter than i am because I didn't understand it until a few hours ago. America isn't easy. America is advanced citizenship. you got to want it bad, because it's going to put up a fight. It's going to say, you want free speech? Let's see you acknowledge a man whose words make your blood boil, who's standing center stage and advocating at the top of his lungs that which you would spend a lifetime opposing at the top of yours. You want to claim this is the land of the free? Then the symbol of your country cannot just be a flag. The symbol also has to be one of its citizens exercising his right to burn that flag in protest. Now show me that. Defend that. Celebrate that in your classrooms. Then you can stand up and sing about the land of the free. Now at the time when this movie came out, which was nearly a quarter century ago, that was an emphatic signature moment of the movie. And again, this isn't like this is like some movie that's you know up there with the Godfather and Citizen Kane as great moments in film. I recognize that, but I love that particular scene. And 25 years later, and 11 or 12 years later, after I talked about it on, on, on the radio show in one of my columns, I still feel the same way. And I don't know if this is ever going to change. I don't know. I think, I think, I hope actually, that I carry this with me as long as I'm around because I, I do believe in it. Um, but when I say freedom of speech, I'm well aware, whether we're talking about government, we're not talking about private businesses, number one. I feel like there's always somebody in a thread when somebody brings up freedom of speech that has to come in from his or her condescending perspective. Well, you know, that doesn't necessarily have anything to do with business. But... Then also, I feel like that line, that speech, I don't know if Rob Reiner, who is the director of that movie, and it was written by Aaron Sorkin, I don't know if they would say and write that speech in 2019. I don't know if they would. I, I'll tell you what I think. I don't think they would. I listened to Aaron Sorkin on Mark Marin. I think that was on January 21st of this year. And uh, based on what he said there, I don't think that he would. You know it's kind of I think he's kind of now the mindset uh, silence is compliance, so to speak. And so it's a it, it's a different program in his mind. In my mind, it still is. It still is that's still a truth, and that's a truth that I that from my standpoint I hold very dear. Um, so how does that apply to don't be a dick, and political correctness, and what is the difference? Well, with the ability to express opinion, there is there there's something and I feel like I oftentimes I have to like get involved in a conversation if I have to moderate on a thread or a. Person or a post, whatever the case might be, that passing something off as fact when it is not is not freedom of speech. That is not protected, um, and that's something that I think is a a difference and an important difference between 1995 and 2019. Not to say that it wasn't going on in 1995. However, I am of the opinion, with a great deal of confidence. That it was not going on to the extent that it is now back then. In other words, I think it is, I think it's in comparison to 1995, it's off the rails. And it's not like in 1995 you had a president who the whole world was celebrating as being the greatest ever. So we can't participate in revisionist history here. Now, of course, he won re election very comfortably in 1996, but. If we're going to compare and contrast, I, I can't do the revisionist history here. So, so that's an important part of it. But don't be a dick. <sighs> and political correctness. I get the question because I know where he's going with it. It's it's in reference to the rules of the fan page, which but but it's 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 much bigger than the fan page. Um, because you can apply it anywhere. It just so happens that's the rule of the fan page, and that's why it's brought up. To me, political correctness, if we're going to take out the buzzword that would, like, get Fox and Friends filling two hours of their show, um, and I know I alienated a portion of the audience with that line, but I'm, I'm telling you, I, I, I think I've said this now for the last three weeks, when I go and I work out over at the gym before each morning, and this is the, the PGA National Gym. And, you know, they have it's I'm, – I'm usually the youngest person in there, and they have Fox News up. And so it's, that's the only time that these eyes see Fox and Friends. And I see the topics they have as their topics. I'm like, wow. I mean, in a way, I, I, I can't necessarily blame the consumer. Uh, and by that, I mean the viewer for, like, thinking some of these things are big issues because growing up, if it was on the news, it was a big issue. Um, and now it's just, like, it's, like, catering to, like, these things that are just, like, wedge issues that really have zero <laughs> impact on day-to-day life, but it'll get you all fired up. You know, like, I don't even know what it, what the one was today. It's, yeah, I don't know. Whatever, it's, it's, it. it, it. <sighs> it's, I see what they're doing. I get it. I guess it's good business. It's just personally not the way that I would want to make my money. And as always, I don't just see it coming in from Fox News. I see it elsewhere. I just happen to be seeing Fox and Friends when I'm working out in the morning and it doesn't put me in a good place. Although I kind of sit there and I go, eh, I see what they're doing. From that standpoint, I understand it. But God, is it grotesque. But either way, I digress. T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com, if you're a big Fox and Friends fan. Presenting something as truthful um, when it is not is, is one issue. And then being malicious. And I almost actually think the passive-aggressive stuff, and I guess, I, I can't say I guess, because I, I think. I don't even think. I know. It goes on on the TMA fan page. And if I really wanted to, I could step in and say, "Hey," but see, I think the best way to handle it would be to do it one-on-one privately. Because if it's a, if it's done publicly, it's like a public scolding. And even though I'm just some fucking 42-year-old dipshit hosting a a talk show and a podcast, um, there's a perception of of me that you know, like, oh, I'm coming, you know, down from my ivory tower to talk with and scold somebody for being out of line, um, and I can't possibly be touched, which is not the way that it is, nor the way that I want it to be, so I would rather handle it privately, or it's just like kind of poking. And yeah, I mean, to me, that would fall under the the umbrella of being a dick. Um, so if I'm going to adhere to the rules, then I suppose I need to, uh, to make sure that I in- enforce them. However, for the most part... And I mean for the most part, in a major way for the most part, the place functions well. So then you get into, do you do you upset the apple cart because of, God, 2% or something like that of people, you know, kind of breaking the rules and then it leading to a whole other thing because I've been down this road before. I don't know. But with regard to political correctness and like stepping into a discussion... It's tough. For me, with talking about the topics that I know get people really worked up, I think it's, it's difficult to do in a group show like TMA, where you have five people regularly talking, and... It's better for me to, in a situation like this, to kind of be able to spread my wings and know that I'm going to be able to talk and and not have my, my train of thought interrupted, nor would I be interrupting somebody else's train of thought. Um, so I like this kind of setting to have this kind of discussion. But specific answer on... Don't be a dick in political correctness. Don't be a dick is an individual, this is an attempt at the answer, is an individual's behavior toward any individual, whether that person have any background, it doesn't matter. They could both be 30-year-old white males who went to private high schools in St. Louis, both live in Kirkwood, and, you know, both make... Whatever dollar figure I can, I can't win by naming a dollar figure. Um, Both the same religion, both the same sexual orientation, and they can be a dick to each other. Political correctness, I think, would be a conscientious um, approach in communicating with someone who does not have the same Take your pick of whatever background trait um, and being empathetic to it, which, you know, I mean, as I've often said, I, I listen to like morning grinds. So the the predecessor to the morning after, but from 2004, 2006, I don't hear myself you know, oftentimes, but I have heard and I just go, oh, what a just what a what a just a. Fucking terrible human being that person is, and I'm talking about myself. I'm just talking about myself. You know, 14 years ago, uh, and and just you know whatever, just gross. And p- one of the things that I I hear is a lack of empathy, um, and 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 also just kind of like shitting on people, really, not not specific people per se, but you know just kind of groups. And, and not like it, not like, oh, here's my chance to, to rip the black people. It wasn't like that. It was more like, you know, I don't know, it's, you know, where you grew up and weights and stuff like that. It, and it's like, oh, just gross, you know. Uh, it's it's just not who I am in 2019, and that's not me saying, hey, everybody needs to change. If you can change and I can change, we all can change and do one of those things. Uh, but um, I just hear it and I'm just, I just know that's not who I am now and, for example, how I would want to raise my son. And it's not to say it was like, you know, some kind of over-the-top um, agenda. It's just like just, just a kind of a lack of self-awareness asshole um, that's how I would describe it. Not to say that that isn't still going on now, it's just not going on to that to that degree. Um, so, you know, I, th- I think so much of it is, as far as an evolution, is I've been on the other side of it now. and And once you're on the other side of it and you've experienced the other side, if you don't learn from that, then something's not right, and having been on the other side of some of these things and you realize how it can really mess you up, and when I say really mess you up, really bother you, but although I'm sure it does mess some people up, um I you know it just can really bother you. and it's un, it's unnecessary. I don't want to cause angst in people's lives and uh and or just make people feel like shitty about things that they have zero control over you know and if you want to like dig down take your pick of whatever thing um you know you can you can do deep dives on to like you know mocking somebody who is overweight okay i mean it's first off it's just it's so level 1 grade school playground shit that you'd like to think you wouldn't even go down that road but there can be a variety of factors that can be going on there now the the um implication is the person is lazy but or it's just flat out said to be hurtful and again it's like a level it's like the last thing you can go with as far as an insult you know so but the implication is somebody is lazy but you have no idea what their conditions are you know i mean what if height were like that were i mean i guess it is an insult although i mean what the hell can somebody do about it but, you know, let's say people were discriminated against based on their height or it was like a, you know, and so here I am. Now, now I'm on the, no pun intended, short end of the stick on the height discussion and I'm going, well, shit, I mean, listen, I'd love to be taller. I can't do anything about it, you know, and somebody might be sitting there going, yeah, I'd love to have a, you know, 15% body fat or something like that it's just it's it's damn near impossible for me i i don't have the time to work out or i don't have the money to uh you know eat this or that that i know would be healthier i have 3 or 4 kids and i've got to get them food and you know this is this is what we can do it's you know i don't know and i and now and i'd like to think i will still feel this way when i'm 55 when i compare myself to you know, how I was when I was 29 and doing the morning grind, and I look back and I go, hopefully I will look back on myself at 55 when I'm 42 and go, yeah, that we were on the right track then. I hope. I don't know, because I might look back at myself at 42 when I'm 55 and go, God, what an asshole. I hope not. Or God, how naive. I also think that's possible. I think I might be getting into the naive or too trusting or too big of a mark category. I don't know. Um, but certainly not the person I was in 2006 when I hear those things. And it's not like I go back and listen to Morning Grind often, but if it pops up, I'm just like, whoa, I know I didn't do any cocaine. It sounds like I'm on cocaine. Uh, Just ridiculous high energy, and I wasn't even drinking coffee then, so I don't know what was going on. I don't know if I was doing Red Bull. I don't know what the hell was going on. I know I wasn't sleeping right, uh, and I know I was going out on the weekends until absurd hours, so who knows? Maybe I was just messed up. Um, but either way, you just, you know, once you have a child and once you're on the other side of attacks, you can't help but be empathetic. And so once you're empathetic, you, it, it isn't limited to just, oh, I'm now empathetic to people who share my traits. You go, yeah, I mean, this person, you know, is, is a good person who's just dealing with something that you know it's through no fault of their own and so therefore why would i want to shit on that person you know who would who would and i don't know how that comes to pass i really don't i think there's a demonization of empathy in some quarters and it's labeled as political correctness like i don't think when somebody's saying oh well it's you know it's politically correct i don't think people are saying that as a positive I think it's being used as a negative to dismiss. But I would use the term empathy, and perhaps empathy will be a code word that's a negative, and maybe it already is. Um, But from my standpoint, I think that that's healthy to try and put yourself in somebody else's shoes, to, to strip it down to something you've been hearing since you were eight years old, and then attempt to have a better understanding you know i mean every person that you encounter was or still is two peoples most important part of their lives and and so it's like i i would want to try to attempt to treat people as well as i attempt to treat my son and be conscious of of that and and, it, and it's not like it takes a whole lot of effort to do. And and again, I'm not talking about like, because for me, I can't do it. It's not it's not my DNA. Like small talk and buttering people up. But I just, added that, that's just not me. It's not, that's not who I am. But it's, I'm talking about like fucking people over. That's what I'm talking about. You know, or doing something shitty to somebody who's just kind of an innocent person. Now, I want to make this clear. On the other side of it, Now, if somebody's done something to cause pain, that doesn't mean we're going eye for an eye, but, you know, the game changes at that point. But I'm just talking about in general, first meeting, or somebody who's done nothing wrong in your experience with them, and they're just coming at them, and that's the difference. So don't be a dick as an individual thing, more so. This is in my assessment of it. Um, Political correctness, if we're going to use it from a positive term, I would describe it as empathy, and I think that's different than don't be a dick, although it would fall under the umbrella of don't be a dick. Um, but if you're talking about political correctness the way that I would imagine many Missourians, based on Missouri at this moment being a red state, I would imagine most Missourians, if, if you just put it on like a, a Gallup poll, what is your view of, of the term political correctness, do you have a favorable view or unfavorable? And I would imagine the majority of Missourians would have an unfavorable view of the term political correctness, even though I think the majority of Missourians would be in favor of what political correctness actually meant when the term came to be, from my standpoint, about 25 years ago. So, barnhart Baller, I love the question. I hope my answer satisfied you. I have no idea if it did. Uh, as always, it's, it's, uh, it wanders all over the damn place, and, uh, and I don't know if I, if I satisfy the, uh, the initial question. Uh, we're in the HomeLoanExpert.com studios, those studios in Jupiter, Florida, for Cardinal Spring Training. Alex Reyes, our guest this week. Dexter Fowler, our guest last week. And uh, I know coming up, Adam Long, who is a St. Louisan, um, is going to sit down with me. He lives down here. He beat Phil Mickelson in a tournament um, about a month and a half ago, I guess, at this point. won the Desert Classic in the PGA, and he lives in Palm Beach Gardens. And so I will be sitting down with him in a couple of weeks. And I'm also hoping to be sitting down with John Mazalak and Mike Schilt. And then uh, we'll be heading back to St. Louis for fun and games. Let's see what else we uh, have here. Um, this is a TMA-specific question. It's um, it's passive-aggressive, uh, but I understand what the question is. And it's this. If one of the many producers started to become too big a part of the show to the point of it being a problem with viewers, viewers, would you reel back said producer oh, like R E E L? But it was spelled R E A L. But I understand. Would you reel back said producers' role or dismiss them? Have you ever had problems Pete. with producers in the past? You were forced to fire. Uh, Gangster Pete, what did you say there? Shot at Gangster Pete. Talking yeah, to if much. anything, you know, you and John Seymour are are not targeted in this uh, in this email or this post. This is on the fan page. Uh, this is direct. This is a direct shot at Iggy. Um, here's what's going on here because I'm, I'm aware of it and I've been aware of it for a couple of weeks. Um, and from my standpoint, I take responsibility for it because it would not be going on if I were in St. Louis. It's that from my standpoint, it is that simple. And can I go the remainder of the podcast without saying from my standpoint again, If I were in St. Louis, the cat, and Doug, and Iggy, and the Plowhawk would have the physical cues from me, and I would have the physical cues from them to direct the show better than I have directed the show while I'm in Florida. It's to me, it's 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 that simple. It's that simple. And the background for this is people who, um, over the last couple of days, it's been vocalized by some members of the audience, not by any means a majority at all. It's a handful of texters and um, caller Ellen that Iggy has been talking a lot more than normal. Now, when I am sitting here and I can't see everybody, uh, even though there is, I mean, there's like a millisecond of a delay because I'm I'm wired in I'm hardwired in unlike being on wireless where you can sometimes have a few second delay that's why I mean we I think I've done now 32 shows from down in Florida and you know if I didn't say anything about it because you know the, the people wouldn't even know um that I'm not in the studio it's like when Lisa Ann's on you can't you can't even tell but you know it's one thing if you have a, a one man show or a two man show and of course I mean person uh but when you have five people who talk regularly on the show and one of the people especially the person who is the point person on the show the person bringing it in and out of breaks is not there that makes it awkward and and I thought the hardwiring would reduce the delay and it has but the tough spot that I have especially since you know it's a great situation we have a lot of commercials on the show uh, a lot of live reads we have two commercial breaks. Um, I can't imagine there's another three-hour show in the market that has that deal going uh, for the audience. But we have a lot of live reads. We do the commercials inside the body of the show. Uh, I got to, like, if there's a pause, I mean the slightest pause, I have to – it's like Vince Coleman pulling the right elbow in the first base pit at Busch Stadium too. I have to pull the elbow and get in there and take that right then and there and either redirect the show or get a live endorsement in because otherwise somebody is going to talk who I can't see but if I were in the studio would be able to see um, and we're going to step on each other and it's going to just it's going to sound bad and now I don't think anybody's taking it as a personal affront because we just know what the circumstances are um, but it can come off, I think, to the listener, even though it's not going on, as, oh, Tim stepped on the cat, or the cat stepped on Tim, or Doug stepped on Tim, and the Tim stepped on Doug, whatever. And, and so, you know, this is a, a particular moment in the sports calendar that I think is the slowest, I, I, I guess February in general is... I know that hockey fans will be upset in in saying that but just if if you're if you're hosting a radio show in St. Louis and there's some element of sports to it this and you now some people would go well, what about like you know during the NFL season and I understand but I think you know if you, when you when it gets down to the month of February we're talking about spring training especially the first couple of weeks of February there is no spring training and then you got a couple of workouts and then now the workouts are done you've already had the guys on the show now it's just like oh Cardinals played the Marlins again today you know tough to get a read on Michael Waka he threw two innings so you get you get into that spot um and and that's a slow time and so for the 15 years of the show the near 15 years of the show um i feel like the show is actually at its best when when there isn't an obligation i don't necessarily say it's best i find the shows super fun when it's not like oh we've got to talk about this but now i think tma is at a point which personally i love that we don't talk about it if we don't care about it and i know that's somewhat of um it's a change. It's certainly a change from what usually has been going on in St. Louis sports radio, where it's like the host feels some kind of obligation to like check off boxes, even if people are cycling on and cycling off from a listing standpoint to make sure. Oh well, no, you can't say we didn't talk about the Billikens. You know, we did right here. It's yeah. I don't have to tell you. If it doesn't interest us, we're not going to talk about it. It's not a personal thing. I know some people, especially with college. Programs take that as personal, and then if you do talk about them and you say something negative, then it then it goes really nuts. And I know that blues fans, some blues fans, you know, have it as a, a bloodlust that the media is out to get them and doesn't give them enough coverage. And you know, I'm telling you, I having hosted, God, I think 12 years of the of TMA with the Blues in the playoffs, um, 11 years maybe uh, that. Assuming the Blues are in the playoffs in April, we'll be all over it. And we'll have outstanding guests throughout, and the three of us will be talking about it and locked in. But, as I sit here now, the Blues are on the West Coast. They're going to play Anaheim tonight. And, you know, to, like, feign some kind of contrived topic so as to activate the audience into reacting is just not the way that the show works. And so the way that the show does work is essentially six people getting out of a plane that's 35,000 feet above the ground and just jumping. And knowing that even though that sounds crazy, that when we jump at 7.07, at 10 o'clock we'll land. And have no idea how. I just know it'll happen. However, I have to say, in my opinion, um, I just have not, and, and I and I don't know what the solution is. I've got I've got to come up with a solution. It's not like I'm back tomorrow, so uh, I've got to do a better job of directing the show. Um, and I put that on myself. That's it, you know, even though I'm not in management or own the station, even though we like to joke about that. Um, I still consider that my responsibility as the point person on the show, you know. Um and I'm 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 listening to it and I'm going, Yep, this is this is kinda off the rails and this is Iggy telling stories for thirty minutes straight and while I couldn't be more amused by it, that's not necessarily what we do, and too much of a good thing can be a bad thing. And and that would that would include me going on and on about my experience playing golf or, you know, T- take your pick. I just go around the day as to to chalk everybody's perceived flaw up and whatever. So um, yeah, I put I, pu- I put that on me. hundred percent on me, hundred percent on me. 100 percent on me because even if somebody would want to say, well, you know the producers could be providing this topic or this sound for that well, that's fine, but the producers, I know, turn to me for the guidance on which direction I want to take the show and I also know that for example Pete if I said hey let's make sure we pull this sound I want to play this and talk about it there's I'm a hundred percent certain that that sound will be there waiting for me at 707 when we start the show so it's on me it's all on me it's all on me it's all on me I think part of it is um, just that's it's on me that I haven't directed it properly so and this isn't a way to deflect from Iggy truthfully i think if i felt like iggy was acting out of line the way i would handle it is a i wouldn't read the question and questions from the audience and b i would handle it privately with iggy so this is this is being completely sincere i blame myself and blame makes it sound like there's some huge problem there isn't i just feel like the show hasn't been as good because i haven't been directing it how i think it needs to be directed and there's nobody else who's going to direct it but me so that's on me and Iggy's just, you know, BSing and filling time. He can't see me, and he can't see the physical cues that would I would either give him a little wrap-up sign or something like that, or they know I'm, I've am i grabbed the binder to do a live endorsement. That's my, that's my assessment of it, and I've just got to, you know, I've just got to take the reins more effectively. So when Caller Ellen called in to complain about it, or when people text in to complain about it, while it's in vogue to give Iggy shit, uh, the reality is I'm the one who... Who deserves it? Gangster Pete, I am going to turn to you and I want your opinion because I like asking your opinion because I know you will not pull punches, which is which is fun um, to, to be able to have somebody uh, who I guess by definition, at least people think you work for me. And I guess with with regard to Inside STL and the DMTM show, that is true. But when it comes to KFNS, you do not, even though I guess I'm perceived as the leader of of TMA. What are your thoughts on this topic, sir? I think that Iggy is a national treasure. He's a unicorn. Nice. I uh, I get a big kick out of all his stories, so I kind of enjoy that. But, uh, I mean, yeah, I think you're being a little hard on yourself as far as the show being not as good. I mean, it's better when you're there. It flows better. But, I mean, it's not terrible by any stretch. Yeah, well, yeah, and that's the thing. That's I think I am. I think I'm overstating when you say blame. then it makes it sound like there's a problem. Right. And it's just I just I just know like especially the last few days, like I feel like I can go back to last week where I'm going. Ah, I gotta. I just gotta. I, there has hardly ever been a time in in this show, which is one of the reasons why you know it's been going on for 15 years. And I'm not saying that because oh we're so popular and that's why it's been around for 15 years. I'm saying because we enjoy doing it. Um, that it's been around for 15 years, where I'm going into a segment, or it's like, oh, wow, we have 25 minutes until the top of the hour, and I don't know where I'm going to go with it. And I've felt that a couple times over the last week or so. And like I said, that's on me. Um, it, it, and again, I mean, I don't want it, to, I guess by as much time as I'm paying attention to it, it makes it sound like it's a bigger deal than it actually is. It's not that big of a deal, but I take it seriously. For as dumb as the show is, I take it seriously, and it just, it's just—it's my responsibility to be better. I think I'm in a. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I wouldn't trade being here and living here and spending this time with my family for anything. I mean, it's—it's—it's it's, it's why we did it, and it's important to me, and you know, um, and I certainly love it. But I put inadvertently too much on my own plate, like as in my plate, um, with combination of the podcasts, interviews uh questions from the audience hosting tma and then also the uh, facebook live twitter periscope with dan mclaughlin um that i just have way more and, and i'm setting that all up and breaking it all down and i am by no means a technical wizard and uh, although i guess we've done okay with it uh you know, it's just—it's it, it, in that sense—it's a learning experience. And what I would do next year, if we were to do this next year, is I would make sure that there's at least one person down here um, to handle that responsibility because it, it, it's better—it's a better product, uh, and then I'm not spread as thin as I am. I also am aware that in saying this, many people would go. It doesn't matter what I'm saying. Too fucking bad. You're down in Jupiter, Florida. We're freezing our asses off here. I don't want to hear it. And I understand that. I, 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 I get that. I think if I were listening to somebody saying what I'm saying, they'd be like, well, then too bad, or then don't go to Florida or something like that. And like I said, uh, when this topic has come up before, you know, my son's one. We're not going to be able to do this, you know, forever. Um, I guess probably there's a cap on it of another two or three years. And my parents can come down. My wife's parents can come down and we can spend this time together. And it happens to be where the Cardinals have spring training and I can get interviews that I wouldn't otherwise be able to get. And that's why we do it in addition to wanting to get out of cold weather. But, uh, I need to be able to direct the show just as well as I would if I were back in St. Louis and maybe it just takes a different route to do that. And I've got to be better. So that's how, that's how I view it. But but the the premise that, you know, when I fire somebody first off, I'm not in charge of hiring or firing people. Um, at it, it KFNS, s uh, just on the off chance that there's still some people who think that uh, but uh, now I see Iggy is involved in the thread where the question was asked and he says at least you are subtle um, and then have I ever had problems with producers in the past that I was forced to fire um, and on that question uh, I will answer it in a Quinn Snyder like way of saying well you know we're just here to Uh, facilitate that connectiveness and and try and play good basketball. But the the truth is um, when you're talking about a 15-year show and the number of producers we've had, like head producers, I think I can say with confidence the number is four. Maybe it's five if you want to include Roderick's like kind of interim spot from March 2013 until the end of June 2013, um, and he did a great job, by the way, uh, but he wanted to be an on-air guy, um, that you know, that's pretty damn good, um, so, you know, it's, it's, I don't know, I don't know, I I realize, but the bottom line is that the question's about, the question's about Iggy, and, uh, Iggy is first off, and this is an important thing, just on the off chance and it has nothing, if anything, I wish he would kind of quit doing the laminating thing. I mean, I don't know it's I know it's part of the show and it's entertaining, but because i I know that away from that, if me and him are just talking like two human beings and him not doing his thing, uh, he's just you just you know you can count on him, you know um, and I and I don't think that's necessarily been his reputation in the market. Uh, and maybe he deserved it. Maybe he didn't. I don't know. I can only speak to his reputation on our show. Because when I wanted to bring him in, in 2016, when we went from 920 to kf and um, I went to everybody on the show at the time. And I said, listen, I think he's going to be great for the show. You know his personality. I said, but if, if you're like, oh, this might, you know, stir the pot in the wrong direction, then I'm, I'll listen to it, of course. And and we can we can pass on it but i think he would be uh, a great asset to the show because i know he just has a personality you can't possibly concoct and uh and so um he uh he's he's been exactly that you know it, just even more so so iggy is iggy for my money grades out on an a plus i'm the one who needs the uh the criticism so that's how i uh, that's how i view um what was a question about Iggy, but was not specifically asked about uh, Iggy. All right, so uh, I'm going to wrap it up because I just want to go on for two hours. Uh, thank you to our sponsors on the program: uh, Ryan Kelly, the expert.com Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies; uh, Johnny Landoff Chevrolet, Landoff.com; James Carlton, Carlton State Farm Insurance. And then also, I want to thank PGA National for their sponsorship of the program and MikeJudyPresents.com for their sponsorship of the program. As always, thank you for listening to another edition of Questions from the Audience on the Tim McCurnan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the TheHomeLoanExpert.com Studios.